Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you all. And I just first want to say happy Father's Day to all of our dads. Can we just show our dads some love? Woo! Thank you, dads. Thank you for the sacrifice that you make, the hard work, a lot of uh, unrecognized sacrifices through the years that you have done. And I hope that you'll take some time today to call your dad, reach out to him, and tell him how much he's meant to you. Because I bet part of who you are today, you owe to your father. And you may say, well, my dad wasn't perfect. What dad is? I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I bet that there's something about your dad you can appreciate and say thank you for. And uh, on behalf of the dads, I will just tell you, because sometimes dads have a hard time putting it into words, how much they appreciate that, but they do appreciate it. So please make a point to tell your dad how much you love him today. And as uh, you just saw in this video, I just want to follow up by saying, maybe God is tugging at your heart saying, it's time for you to consider being a small group leader opening up your home, and just being willing to love people, and we will help you with the rest, really. It's, it is just a willingness to be able to take that step. Now, what I want to ask you to do right now, it's an action step, but this action step is not going to commit you that you are going to be a small group leader. It's just you basically saying, I'm open to find out more. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I'd like you to text the word BF leader to 97 Zero, zero, zero should be right here on the slide here. Text BF Leader to 97000. I can get your phones out right now. Come on, everybody, let's do this. Uh, I'm telling you, so here's the thing. You guys know this. Over this last year with this whole crazy pandemic, a lot of stuff got shut down. Churches got shut down. Community got shut down. And a lot of people paid the price. It was very hard on a lot of people because we felt very isolated and depression, anxiety went up. Domestic violence globally went up. Like it is, it was been, it's been very hard on a lot of people. We need, we do better. Whether you're, you say you're a Christian or a believer in Jesus or not, you just look at the psychological and sociological evidence. We do better as human beings when we are in community, when we're together, we're healthier, we're more stable. And I'm telling you, we need this. And it might be that God is saying, I want to use you to provide a, more space for biblical community to happen here at Brazos Fellowship. Would you be willing to open up your home? All you got to do is text BF Leader to 97000, and we'll help you with the rest. We're going to ask a couple of questions, get you to fill out a really quick questionnaire, just so we can better help you to take that next step. And at any point, you're like, no, I just, I'm not sure I'm ready. You can do that. That's fine. So you're not committing to anything. We won't be launching till the fall anyway, so you got some time. I just encourage you today, if you would, take that step. And it's just amazing to see how God has used that in other people's lives to make such a huge difference that those who are willing to step up. So today, we're going to continue a series we've been in for a number of weeks now, Transforming Your Heart, where we've been talking about this incredible process that God has every follower of Jesus, every Christian, every disciple of Jesus is in this process, whether you realize it or not, 
You need to know this is God's desire, that one of the first things that Jesus taught right at the beginning of the Gospels is he taught the kingdom of heaven has come near, and you can be a citizen here. You are welcome in. By the way, God's kingdom is still open right down to today, and you are being given an opportunity. You are welcomed to come into it and become a child of God today. I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the service. But Jesus came saying, it's open. You're welcome in. You can become a part of God's family, one of his children. Now, the first question we, we've got to ask is, well, what is required? What is God's number one desire for those who are citizens of his kingdom, that we belong to his kingdom? What does he want now? He wants you to be transformed into Christ-likeness. He wants to make you into the image of his son because it is the highest and best reflection of who we are as people. It is the best version of us when we are embodied by and being led by the Spirit of God. It's beautiful. It's powerful. So we've been talking about over the last several weeks, what does that look like on the inside of us? It's it's an inside job first. It has to start on the inside. It starts with our thoughts. And each one of these levels, by the way, it is a dying to self and coming alive in Christ that we have to set our will to a side and then let God's will come alive. And so first we start with our thoughts. We spent a week talking about how does God transform our thoughts? And then those thoughts always inform and shape our feelings and our emotions. And so much of the time, our emotions dictate our life. Whether we feel depressed or we feel great, we feel like things are going good or not so good, it's really an emotionally based thing. How do we gain control with God's help of that area? And then we talked about our will or the decision center of our, our self. How does our will being surrendered to God's will, how does that happen? And we spent a week on that. And then last week we said now we're going from internal to external. We're going from the inside work to the outside work. We started talking about the body itself, this physical body that's been created by God, works best in conjunction with and surrendered to God. We talked about what does that look like and how do we do that? Because the body has within itself its own cravings and appetites and desires that if we let them run our life, it'd be like letting a toddler run your life. It will run you right into some disaster. So we have to learn how to discipline our bodies to make it obedient to Christ. And so we talked about that last week. So now we're taking the next step today, and we're going to talk about as we get outside of ourselves and how we connect with other people, the social dimension of who we are, our relationship. So transforming our social dimension, let me define that for you. I'm talking about our relationships to others must reflect the kind of love that Jesus shows to us. Now, that may seem really simple to understand, but it is really difficult sometimes to live out, especially in our own power. I'll just tell you right up front, this is impossible in our own power. We must have divine intervention. And I bet you know somebody right now that it's really tough for you to love. And we're going to talk about how do we begin to make steps forward in this idea of our relationships to others reflecting the kind of love that Jesus shows us. But here's the first thing you need to understand, that every single one of us have undergone some type of spiritual formation, whether it's good or bad. I mean, the most hardened criminal has a spiritual formation. The most holy of saint, you can imagine, has a spiritual formation. And every one of us 
whether it's good or bad formation, that's why all of us need a transformation, spiritually speaking. Every one of us um, needs from God his help to be able to transform that into uh, Christ's image. And uh, it's so funny because um, when we begin to do that, um, it is going to be chocked full of lots of challenges. And maybe you've heard people say this sometimes. Well, this relationship between me and God, it's just really, well, I mean, it doesn't really involve anybody else. This is private. This is just between me and God. This is not between me and anybody else. I don't really, I don't really know if I agree with this. Well, to say that, make that statement, by the way, have anybody ever heard that? Like, my faith, my, this is just between me and God. Anybody ever heard that from somebody? Or maybe you've said that? Okay, yes, a few of us around have heard that, right? Let me just say, that statement reflects a misunderstanding both of us and of God. Because we are intensely social beings. We do better in relationship. And God never once in all of the Bible says, okay, now that you've placed your faith in me, shh, keep it quiet. Keep it on the DL, right? Don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know that we're like in a relationship together. No! How are we obedient to the Great Commission? Go and make disciples of all nations. Like that implies that there's some life on life, there's some communication, there's some expression of relationships happening and has to happen. It's part of the process. Absolutely. We are intensely and profoundly social in the way that we are formed spiritually. All of us are. And so I want you to understand this. Our relationships, our relationships are to be transformed if we are to be transformed. Those two go together. Our relationships and our spiritual transformation are welded together. They're inseparable. If you've had a poor or bad spiritual formation in your life, I bet it came from some bad relationships. If you've had wonderful, powerful, awesome, life-changing transformation in your life where you have really grown to become more like Christ, it's probably because you've had some incredible influences, some godly influences, some people that have really taken this seriously. And this is not my philosophy, it's not my opinion, this actually comes from Jesus, this is what he commanded. I want us to take a look at John chapter 13, and this was the night that Jesus was betrayed. Just a short time before he was put on trial, and then went through this brutal, horrible night and was crucified the very next day. But before all of that happened, he was meeting together with his disciples and many of his followers, and here is what he said. It was a last command that he gave them before he went to the cross. Here's what he said. He says, a new command I give you, I'd like us to say it together, ready? Love one another. That's the new command. And can't you just hear somebody in the back of the room mumbling to themselves, that's not all that new, Jesus, right? <laughs> that's been around a long time. But here's the part that's brand new. As I have loved you, so you, let's say it together, so you must, this is a command, remember, you must love one another. By this, by what? By this command, to love one another as I have loved you. By this, that everyone, all people, the whole world, Jesus intended, will know that you are my, let's say it together, my disciples, which is a follower, could be translated follower, 
an apprentice, a pupil, a learner. It's someone who's saying, I'm modeling my life after him. I am following after him in every aspect of life. That's where the transformation begins. And he says, you, uh, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you, let's say it one more time together, all right? Love one another. This is what Jesus intended. That in the context and the dynamics that are so complicated sometimes of human relationships, that if you call yourself a son or daughter of the Most High God, that you would reflect the love of Jesus, which implies self-sacrificial love. Dying to self, putting others first. This is heavy duty. This is challenging. This is difficult. But it's doable, and it is something God's called us to, and it is so worth it when you begin to do it. It's beautiful. Now, what are the consequences of people saying, because people do this all the time, right? Whether you've consciously said this in your mind or you've unconsciously said it, Sometimes people say, no, I'm good. Like, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to get all zealous, you know, and try to go crazy and be talking about it all the time. Like, I'm going to keep it pretty, you know, chill, right? I thought, I'm like, I, like, I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell great, but I'm not sure how much I'm going to take that seriously, right? What is the consequence of this? The Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, he tells us this. He says, we know that we have passed from death to life, and that's really what has happened when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We've gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. And why or how do we know that we've gone from death to life? He says, because, because we, let's say it together, we love each other. He's just mimicking, like, I'm just regurgitating what Jesus taught me. This is what we do. This is what we do. We love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. The abundant kind of life that Jesus came to bring, when we refuse to love others, it chokes that life out of us. I hope you see that every dimension of who you are as a human being, and you are a complex, amazing creation, from the way your mind works to the way your emotions play into that, your will, your executive center of who you are, and how that manifests itself into your body and the physicality of who you are that gives you space and time and a place in history and a relationship and a, a gender and a family and a language and a national heritage and all of this is given to us by God. And now as it manifests itself into relationships, every part of who you are screams, is craving the abundant kind of life that only God can give and you cannot get there apart from learning to love others the way Christ has loved you. He's giving us the secret to life. Like, this is how it works. And you see it and you feel it the moment you start to do it. When you start to love others, people, it gets reciprocated back to you. Now, maybe not every time with every person, right? Sometimes you've got to play the long game. You've got to keep loving, and you're not going to get a whole lot back from some people. But it's beautiful. As you begin to serve and love, you heard it in the stories of some of those small group leaders that as we invested, we got blessed as we were made ourselves available to love others, we got loved on. That's beautiful. There's this full circle that begins to happen with the love of God. It's so powerful and so cool. 
It reminds me of the story, heart-rendering story, about a man who had lived his entire life as an untouchable, diseased, no one would have anything to do with him, and there were many like this on the streets of Calcutta, India, lived his whole life like that. And towards the end of his life, as he was so sick, he was about to die. He was found by Mother Teresa, and he was brought into her shelter. He was cleaned, and he was cared for, and he was shown the love of Jesus Christ. And some of the last words that he said before he passed away, he said, I have had to live my life like an animal, but I can die like a human being. Why? Because somebody welcomed him into their house welcomed them into their life, made place for him, cared for him, and showed him the love of God, and it made all the difference. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is what that sacrificial love of Jesus looks like. This is the heartbeat of Jesus, and this is the heartbeat of Brazos Fellowship that we have always been about this and we always will, that we are praying for and we want to welcome those who are not here yet to be able to have a place for them when they come in the doors. We got a place for you here and we want to care for you. We want to love you. We want to help provide for you spiritually and if we can meet some other needs, wonderful. That's what we want to do. But we want you to know we love you because Christ loves us and he wants us to love you and it's genuine. It's not like we're just doing this because we got to. We're doing this because we love you and it's real and it's honest and it's beautiful and this is the kind of life that leads to the abundant life. This is the kind of life, this is the most fulfilling and wonderful thing that one human can do for another. There is no greater way for us to interact with one another and Jesus intended our life to be filled with these kinds of acts over and over, setting ourselves aside and loving others selflessly because people flourish in an environment where they feel like people are for them. People flourish in environments where they feel like people are for them. And being for somebody doesn't mean you always tell them what you want, they want to hear, right? But it's being for them, it's loving them. Now the opposite is also true. In an environment where you feel like people are not for you. Let me give you this analogy to think about here. As firmness of footing is a condition of walking, so let me stop real quick and explain that. Just like if you're standing on ice, right, you're going to be grabbing onto something to stabilize you. Like being able to move confidently and to be able to walk, you have to trust the floor. You have to trust your foundation. If you feel like it's about to give way or it's slick or there's some other, you're walking on BBs, you know, or Legos or something like that, right? You are going to be very uncertain about your walking. You're going to constantly be like this, right, in this kind of posture. Well, it's crazy because a lot of people go through life feeling just like that, that so assurance of others being for us is a condition of stable, healthy living. As we go through this life, there is hardly a thing that you will ever encounter that will hurt you more than feeling like somebody is not for you that you wish like crazy would be. And sometimes, and I've even seen this devastate people to the point where it's starting to destroy their life. When people feel like no one is for me, they start to get convinced Then maybe I shouldn't be for me. Maybe I shouldn't live. Maybe I should start contemplating taking my own life. 
That's how detrimental, how dangerous it is. And it starts for many people all the way back in the home. Maybe it's mom or dad or both, or maybe it's someone else who raised you. You feel like, they're not really for me. That is a heartbreak. That is a hard wound to carry into adulthood. And those who do, many times, are very unstable. They feel very uncertain in their relationship. They have a hard time trusting other people because are you going to let me down too? You're going to break my heart too? You're going to walk out on me too? You're going to, I thought you, I thought I could trust, you know, or I gave my heart to somebody. I trusted them. I loved them and they betrayed me. They, They cheated on me. They walked out on me. They don't really love me. And how can I ever trust anyone? And sometimes that heartbreak carries with us. And I've talked to so many people who carry those wounds into adulthood, and they constantly feel like they're unwelcome. They feel rejected. They feel left out. They feel like they are not good enough. They feel like they, have, they're, they're, they don't have what it takes. They feel like people are constantly excluding them, whether it's whether it's just perceived or it's real, it sways who they are as people and it affects the relationship. And instead of responding to other people in love, they usually go to one of two places. If we don't go to love, we go to one of two places. And I mentioned these last week. We either go to withdrawal. Some people, depending on personality types, you may say, well, I'm just going to pull back because I've been hurt. I don't feel like you're really for me. So I just feel indifferent at first. I'm not sure I really how I feel about you. And then we just start to say, I just don't care about them anymore. I'm done. I, I, don't, I, I don't care. I don't give a rip anymore about them. I, I'm, they hurt me. I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to try anymore. Maybe you got a relationship like that in your life. And maybe it started like this, where you feel like they weren't for you. And then it moves to the next phase of Assault. And assault always kind of starts on the inside. It's like, I want bad for them. (laughs) I don't just not love them. I would celebrate if something bad happened to them. It's when we act against what is good for them. Remember I gave you the definition of love. Love is to will the good for another for their own sake. This is the opposite of that. It's literally saying, I don't really care. I don't really care what my actions, if they hurt you or not. Tough, you know. Stinks to be you, right? Sorry. That's why I believe the last six of the Ten Commandments are commands not to assault other people. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't envy. Don't commit adultery. Don't dishonor your parents. Like Over and over, God's saying, this is what is wrecking people's lives. Stop it. It halts love. It keeps us from understanding the full and expression of God's abundant life. It squelches it. It chokes it. So let's go all the way back to my comment about in the home. Maybe you felt like in the home you were not always supported. You, they were not always for you. Or maybe it's someone between the home and right now. There's been someone who's hurt you. This, this verse I'm about to share with you has been real healing for some people, and I feel like could address any of those hurts. In Psalm 27, verse 10, this is David writing. He says, even if my father and mother, let's say it together, abandon me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm gone. I'm out. Even if they abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. He will hold you close. He will hold you in an intimate relationship. He desires to have you right there with him. 
and He can and will heal those wounds. You don't have to go through life constantly uncertain of your footing emotionally and, and, and relationally. You could trust God. He can be your foundation. He can help redefine who you are based on who He says you are in the love that he has for you. And when you spend more time with him, just like any relationship, you'll grow more fond, more close, and there's an intimacy and a passion that will start to form between you and God that other people might not understand, but it doesn't even matter anymore because it has so filled you up. It has become your strength. It has become your joy. It has become your peace in a world that struggles to find real peace, joy, and love. And it's available. You see, our model, our source of true love is still God. It is absolutely 100% God. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, John writes this. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. There it is again. For love comes from God because, let's say it together, God is love. He doesn't just have love. He doesn't just dispense love. He is the embodiment of, the source of all love. He's love. Love defines his Trinitarian identity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is within himself a sweet society of love that every member of the Trinity loves and exalts the other two constantly loving within that society. God is one God in three persons, and He wants that same love to be reflected in us. The same love that was so powerful that it resurrected Jesus from the dead, He's saying is available to you to be able to love one another. It's so powerful to begin to understand how this works. And, and I, I just want you to to think about that today. Like if, if we took this seriously, of really beginning to love each other with this kind of love of God, because the gospel's good news is not just that God loves us, although that is wonderful news. It's that God's love can sustain love through us towards some of the most unloving people in the world. People that we could not in our own power love at all. But God's saying, I will sustain the love. I will be your source of love. You don't have to worry about being reciprocated from them. There'll be others that you will get that from, but maybe not them. You maybe, maybe not this right person right now. That's okay. I will be your source of love so you can keep loving them even though you're getting nothing out of it. That's okay. But when you get people that are committed to say, I'm gonna love like that no matter what it takes, I want God to help me and show me and teach me and transform me so that I can love like Jesus loves me. Imagine for just a minute a church like that, a church of people who are governed by the, the self-giving, self-sacrificial, self-sustaining love of God where we genuinely love each other in a Christ-like way. And you walk in and you feel that kind of love immediately. Wouldn't everybody want to be a Christian? Wouldn't the most wounded people, there are people out there walking wounded everywhere because they've grown up and they've been in relationships where they were not for, people were not for them and they, hurted, they hurt them, they wounded them. 
and they were they carry these wounds right down to the, today those people would flock to church you know why because where else can you find it even peter told jesus where else can we find oh lord the words of life only you have them there's no other place we can find them there is no other place that this love is available except from god himself and we get to be the place he chooses. What a privilege, what an honor. He chooses to dispense it to the world through us. We get that privilege. And throughout world history, every time the people of God took seriously loving one another the way Jesus commanded, thousands upon thousands of people placed faith in God. And I believe with all my heart, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this online, he wants to do it again right now, 2021, and he wants to use us here at Brazos Fellowship to do it. I truly believe that. He wants to use every single one of you, and me too, to make this happen. But you've got to choose it. But let me say, just as quickly as I say that, there is a challenge involved in this. And what is that challenge? This requires a willingness to die to self. We have to be willing to set our agenda aside and put God's agenda first and foremost. Again, going back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Just to be clear, this is the same John, but not the gospel of John. It's not John 3, 16, God so loved the world. This is, a different, this is 1 John. There's three little epistles right before Revelation, three little letters that were written by John. This is the first one. This is how we know what love is. Let's say this together. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John's saying, this is how we know what love is. You remember Foreigner back in the 80s? I want to know what love is. <laughs> there it is. I'm telling you. I know I won't sing anymore. Okay, I promise. <laughs> but he's saying, listen, Jesus was like, let me just make it crystal clear to you as I die on this cross. This is what love looks like. Self-sacrificial, self-giving, self-sustaining, because God is the one who's doing it, kind of love. And he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is how we show that we're truly disciples. We love when it's hard to love. And one of the distinctives about Jesus that made him different from every other world religion leader that has ever lived is he says, among many things, but here's one of the big ones, love your enemy, not just your neighbor, not just your spouse, your enemy. And sometimes people might argue that your spouse is your neighbor and sometimes your enemy. But you, you love them regardless, right? You love, you love everybody. He's saying, I want you to show that kind of love indiscriminately, always, without qualifications, without limitations. I want you to show that kind of love to those around you. So here's the big question. What does laying down our lives in our relationships involve? What does that really look like? It is giving up the need or the desire to be first, to be in control, to get your way, to be admired, to call the shots, to have the last word. I heard a great story about Dr. Dallas Willard, who was the dean of philosophy at USC, which is not exactly a real conservative school, but this is 
a godly man who's written some of the greatest Christian books in the last hundred years, Dallas Willard, if you've ever read any of his stuff, profound, incredible, deep thinker, took it very seriously in the way he lived. Well, one of his friends tells a story that at, at the end of one of his lectures one day, classroom full of students, he finished the lecture and a student stood up, this young man, and kind of arrogantly tried to dismantle the argument or the explanation that Dr. Willard was giving in his lecture. And his friend was thinking, oh, Dallas is about to get, give it to him, man. He's going to dismantle, he's going to humiliate this kid right in front of the whole class. And Dallas let him finish, and he says, all right, that's all the time we have for today. See you tomorrow. Just as carefree as can be. And his friend came up to him afterwards. He says, why? Why did you say something? Why did, you, why did you dismantle that kid? And he says, I'm trying to learn the discipline of not having the last word. He says, I'm learning that God doesn't require me to correct everybody I disagree with. Boom! <laughs> wow! The intellectual giant of the room that could have just squashed that kid like a bug intellectually in front of everybody. And he just let him have the floor. He set his ego, his pride, everything aside. He says, that's not the last conversation I hope to have with that young man. It's not the last lecture I'm going to give here at this school. It's okay. And besides, at the end of the day, I can't save anybody. I can't fix anybody. Only God can do that. And I want to be a, a man of truth. I want to speak the truth, but I'm going to do it in love. And I want to do it in a way where there's graciousness. And I love that. So I want you to think about this question. What do you need to lay on the altar, on God's altar today, to better love those around you? Now, this may seem like an extreme way to phrase it, but it is very literally what we need to do. The altar was a place of sacrificing things unto God, and this is something that needs to be sacrificed to say, no more, God, this needs to die. I don't want to pick this up again. I don't want to, to use this on anybody again. What is it you do, maybe inadvertently in your life, that undermines people. It undermines love. Maybe it's being condescending with your words and you don't realize it. Maybe you cut people off, you talk over them. You're sarcastic. You're condescending. You are you're very critical of other people. Well, I just do it because I love, you know. Well, it doesn't feel like love on the other end. <laughs> You're, criti you're criticizing. Or maybe you criticize people behind your back. Or you criticize people that you don't agree with. And you might even say, well, Pastor Will, these are people you wouldn't agree with either. God wouldn't agree with. Like, people, their politics are horrible. Their lifestyle is horrible. I'm not arguing any of that. I'm just saying Jesus says to love them. How about, and this is just a challenge. I know not everybody's going to take this challenge. Those of you watching online, maybe you want to take this challenge. Next time before you criticize someone, before you're sarcastically remarking about someone, you pause and pray for them first. And in your prayer, this is where it gets a little, a little dicey. This is going to get a little tough. You ask God, help me to love them better. What? Yeah. Help me to love them better. What if they're my enemy? Jesus says, love your enemy, Matthew 5. Wow, 
That's what transformation in the social dimension of who we are into Christ-likeness looks like. It's saying Jesus informs my knee-jerk reaction and the, the way I interact with other human beings. You don't have to agree with them to love them. Jesus didn't. He loved all kinds of people he didn't agree with. That's okay. Now, it's not the last conversation you have with them. You can address some things in love, but sometimes you may need to hear of them out first before they're even going to give you the floor to hear you. This is what love looks like. And it's high time that the people of God say, okay, Jesus, help me to take that seriously. Help me to take that into the streets, into my job, into my home, with my friends. Start loving like that. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.